is making you lonely, you can always go. She jumped off that cliff near her house on the cape, dove right into the water, hitting every rock on the way. When you've got troubles, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. And now, there's a beautiful spirit out there in the ocean. And you know what her name is? Just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. It's trash! Welcome, everybody, to Back in My Day. My name is David Petrangelo, and this week, the not-so-stereotypical millennials are going to be counting down our favorite movies from 2021, from 10 all the way down to 1. This week, I am lucky enough to be joined by... Michael R. Power. Ian Walter. And Wife Power. Triumphant return of Wife Power. Thank you again for uh, joining us. Uh, always great to have your choices especially when it came to tv shows we got a lot of discussions going with uh shows like the witcher and lots of marvel shows and uh, lots of variety and uh we may or may not have lots of variety in our movies it's hard to tell so let's get right to it because we'll have lots to talk about all four of us will go from 10 to 1 and uh you know what now we'll make it a tradition wife power what's your number 10 uh, my number 10 surprised me a lot because i don't typically like these types of movies uh, every once in a while, there's one that uh, kind of pokes out there, and um, I enjoy it. And that was Coda. Hmm. Um, I believe this is like a TIFF indie type film. Um, Coda stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Um, so it's a story of a hearing uh, child, and her she's the only hearing member of her entire family. And it's just kind of navigating that dynamic and how much pressure um, and responsibility her family lays on her as the only hearing member of her family. Um, but it was it was an amazing movie, uh, very heartfelt. The acting was great. Um, yeah, it, it. I don't want to give too much about it, but um, if you're kind of into those like artsy, heartwarming, like true like true story kind of like i want to say it was heart well, i guess some parts of it were heartwarming but coming of age film yeah i think they would call it yeah yeah it's uh, actually um now that we're recording this in 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 january of 22 but in january of 21 it was the movie at sundance that uh that cracked the largest um studio signing it made the most had the largest amount of money made from being signed from being shown at Sundance for the first time. So it was, it was pretty hyped up when the year started and uh, it's nice to hear that it actually turned out to be a great movie. Yeah, it was fantastic. I really awesome. enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, Mike, number 10. Yeah, that one just barely missed my, my list. So good pick uh, wife power. My number 10 is the Witcher nightmare of the wolf. Ah, there's that, is, tea, there's that tease from the previous episode. There it yep. is. <laughs> it's so the, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> the Netflix animated movie that takes place in the Witcher universe. So we said Netflix is going all in on the Witcher. They're making not just a TV show. They're invested. Uh, they're making 
you know, not the mainline TV show, they're making other spinoff TV shows and they're making movies. This is a, now I'm not going to say it's an anime movie because I have been educated since some of our last episodes. And uh, I found out since, since uh, we recorded last that anime is kind of like a, a word kind of like champagne, you know, like anime only refers technically to cartoons made in Japan. So if it's not actually, so for example, Avatar The Last Airbender is not technically an anime that's made in America. It's anime inspired, right? But it's not an anime. So I would say this is, I don't think this was made in Japan. This was made um, in America. So it's anime inspired. So that's style, but it's awesome. It kicks ass and it gives you just, it's like focuses on a character. I think Wife Park kind of teased that appears in the show and gives you some extra world building that when you watch the second season, so it dropped between the first and second seasons, um, that when it dropped, uh, you know, it gives you some of the extra stuff to, that you pays off when you watch the show. So yeah, definitely check out the show and then check out the animated movie and then check out season two. And then I say, get on board with the, everything else. The Witcher's doing with Netflix or the Netflix is doing with the Witcher series. Cause it's pretty cool so far. I enjoy me some Prosecco, so maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little bubbly. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should have some bubbly, Ian, while we, uh, while we watch the series. Champagne. Champagne. It's more of like a mead kind of show. <laughs> or what I, what I drink, the sparkling wine, or whatever they call it. I never go, I never go for the actual champagne because it's just too damn expensive. So, <laughs> have yourself some sparkling wine. Thankfully, we all pretty much have Netflix, so we just are gonna. We'll be fine. We'll be able to to watch it. So, all right. So, if anyone hasn't heard in our TV episode, but me and Ian pretty much uh, guaranteed that we're going to watch the Witcher series. We're going to watch this movie and both seasons, and uh, and we'll talk about it on the show, whether it's here, whether it's on the Patreon. Either way, we're gonna we're gonna get that content out and uh, and talk about the show, the two of us, and then probably uh, bounce ideas off each other for the four of us. That'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, Ian, number ten. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. So, looking at the 2021 films, my top ten. I think I maybe watched about two thirds of what I wanted to watch from the movies from 2021. So adulthood, you know, right? Maybe I'll mention some of those <laughs> along the way. But my number ten is the only animated film on my list, mm-hmm. and it was honestly between uh, two Disney films. It was going to be between Luca and Encanto. I like them both. It falls at Encanto. Mm. Okay, my number ten is technically a uh, family movie as well, but uh, much darker. And Satter, it is called Spencer, and it is the semi-biopic of uh, Princess Diana and uh, the royal family. I want to say it's in 1992 or 93. They, I, I don't really know the timeline of, of things, but um, it is just a incredible display of acting from Kristen Stewart. And it is her playing Lady Diana in a weekend that sort of... She makes up her mind that she doesn't want to be a part of this family anymore is basically the gist of it. And it's her dealing with all the emotional toil of being part of the royal family. It's about her and her kids. It's about her having an eating disorder. There's a lot of dark personal stuff in here, but it is a very, very good movie. And there's a couple lighthearted moments in it. And um, it really makes you, I mean, I don't know if it's 100% accurate or anything like that. I know that there are accurate aspects of it, but um it really makes you appreciate how shitty the royal family <laughs> can be and how being an, an outsider in a quote unquote place like that uh, could make pretty much anybody um, 
feel the way that she probably felt and uh, understandable for her, uh, how she felt like an outsider pretty much all the time. So Spencer is an amazing movie and it's worth watching anyone that has a chance to watch it. And if you want really good acting by especially one, one actress, I mean, everybody in the movie is very good, but Kristen Stewart is incredible in this movie and it is a very good movie. Spencer is my number 10. Uh, wife power numero 10 or sorry, nine, <laughs> nine, nine. My number nine is one of the Marvel movies this year. And that's Shang-Chi. Um, I really enjoyed this as a, as a introducing kind of a new character to the MCU. Um, I think they did a really good job. Uh, we saw this in a drive-in, so I kind of we've kind of said like we want to rewatch it again because I think like some of the visuals were lost on us at the drive-in just because of like the quality of of lighting. Um, but I really enjoyed the movie. I'm excited to see um, the character moving forward in the MCU and what they do with him. Um, yeah, number nine, Shang-Chi. Nice. Uh, Michael. All right. My number nine movie of 2021 is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that reminds me the other day I said to myself, I cannot think of a famous actress named Trish. You're kidding. That's my favorite name. What? Mine too. How have we never talked about this? To me, a woman named Trish is a woman you can count on. Really has her act together. Athletic, natural. Just real natural. And loves the holidays. Trish, at Christmas? Forget it. She gets everyone a gift. What about Halloween? Ah. Oh. Trish leaves a big pot of candy for the kids. Yeah. Because she, she trusts. trusts. <laughs> She'd be out with her girlfriends. Country dancing. Well, she has a natural sense of rhythm. <laughs> She'd have one ear double pierced and the other just single. Once when I was applying for a job at Talbot's, I told him my name was Trish. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, remember when I was in that hit and run and that lady path? Uh-huh. Her name was Trish. Really? Yeah. Trish. This is a-, a pure comedy of a movie, a pure goofball comedy movie starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Mer... Mer-, Mer- I can't say the last name for some reason. Basically, the two creators Lumolo. of... Lumolo. Uh, sorry, Lumolo, that's it. Yeah. Basically, yeah. the two creators of, uh, of Bridesmaids, which is um, classic. Yes, and Jamie... Um, you know, I was seeing an R, but it's an M. Janie Dornan. Jamie Dornan. So yeah. Anyways, anyways, just a goofball, funny movie. Like, uh, reminding me mo- most of like Austin Powers, like that kind of outrageous goofball, screwball comedy. And you don't get many of those, where like every single line is a joke, and nothing is really serious about the entire movie at all. And I just liked it. It's a good escape, and it's like laughs, laughs per minute are there, and it's it like is a laughs per minute. You movie, just 100%. you yeah. just could quote it. You know, you, you, it's one of those ones where it's like if you if I was younger, if I was in college or whatever, probably rewatch it a million times and quote it like we like we did in our day for Anchorman and I agree, uh, yeah, and uh, Austin Powers. So it's that kind of movie. It's super funny. Check it yeah. out. It's so yeah. goofy. It goes to so many weird, weird places, especially towards the end. And it's it's mm-hmm. great. I, I'm going to jump way ahead because this is on my list as well. This is my number six. Um, nice. It's Bar- Barb and Star. Goes yeah, to Barb and Star. Barb and Star. It's, man, this movie is just effing hilarious. It's so good. Um, Kristen Wiig is, is still one of my favorite comedians out there, no matter what. 
And uh, this is just like Mike said, this is very Austin Powers. Doesn't take itself seriously. There's literally a song that breaks out in the middle of this movie. That is just the guy describing doing a bunch of weird things that like I'm climbing a palm tree and I'm jumping on the beach. Like it's just, that's the kind of humor it goes for, but it all, it all works. And it's such a good feel good, funny movie in a really shitty couple of years that that makes it even better. I think it's perfect timing. So uh, that's Mike's number nine. That's that's my number six. I nice. just thought I would. I thought I would talk about it now because I love this movie. It's amazing. My number nine is also hilarious. No, I'm just kidding. It's The Many Saints of Newark. So oh, it's, sweet. It's not slapstick comedy. It's more so if you're. It's a more. It's a deep dive into the back into the world of the Sopranos. So any Sopranos fans out there, um, you know, I would have been looking forward to this for sure. And. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of just kind of telling a singular story, sort of a prequel to the Sopranos. Anyone looking for any heavy, like Tony Soprano material won't really find that in this. It's more of a story of like Dickie Maltesano and, you know, Oh, interesting. Chris's father. And there's a little bit, there's some weird elements to it. Some interesting choices. It is the creator of the series, uh, his directorial effort here. So, there is a lot of passion for Sopranos throughout, and it's, I would say, very well cast as well. We got some John Bernthal in there as Tony Soprano's father. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Gandolfini's son plays yes. him, which is and so cool. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't feature Tony Soprano heavily. However, the the bits that we do get is like a young tony before he sort of turns into the villain right. that we know in the series so it's it's more so like um you know how he was as a as a young like you know as an innocent um and 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 i thought his son you know did a, a good job of you know he looks like him he's yeah. he did a decent job he really does and i don't have the name of the the star but he you've seen him as sort of character actors and he played the uh, brother of caster troy in uh, face off um, so, uh, yeah, um, but he did a good job as Dickie and, uh, oh, Vera Farmiga as well as, uh, Tony's mother. So there's a lot to enjoy. If you, if you watch the Sopranos from start to finish, I think you will get, um, sort of a little bit of exploration into that world. And it's a different world. It's a, it's a period piece. It's a prequel, but, uh, I thought it was cool. I, I'd be interested to see if they develop a series out of this thing and maybe bring some, bring back some of the actors who start in it. I will say that the one downside is of the many characters in the Sopranos, some of the fan favorites, they tried to do like this impression sort of slapsticky almost of, of the younger versions of them. And they didn't, they didn't land maybe as well as, as you would have hoped, but the main characters and the story was still pretty good. Good enough to land in my top 10 anyway. So many awesome. Network, yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, my number nine fits perfectly in things that we've been talking about as far as where it takes place. It takes place in 1999. Um, it's another music-based documentary, which I talked about um, in our TV episode as well with 1971. This is called Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. There is a sixth sense that you develop when you spend your life going to venues. Woodstock, baby. I can tell you a hundred feet away what the energy in that venue is going to be like. It was not your parents' Woodstock. We got off the bus and I was like, something's not right. 
water was $4 a bottle, which is a ridiculous cost. The porta potties unusable. You had kids rolling around in what they thought was mud. In an environment where exploiting women, you could get away with it. You could feel something bubbling. In pop culture, there's this dark energy coming from young white males that entertainment is perpetuating. You have a crowd who are excited, inebriated, and you give them a band to help them release that energy. What do you think is going to happen? It's it's an exploration of Woodstock itself and then bringing back Woodstock in 1999 and exploring why, not only logistically, why it was a disaster, but why culturally it made absolutely no sense. One, to call it Woodstock, and two, to try to like basically create uh, the feeling that the original Woodstock had at a time in our society that that feeling didn't exist. And they signed up acts that don't support that feeling. You know, Limp Biscuit and Rage, maybe Rage a little bit, I would say, would have that messaging, but it's in an angry way. You know, the Chili Peppers, Limp Biscuit, uh, you know, it, it just... It explores the lack of understanding of the people that organized this and why it literally turned into a riot that burned down stages and killed people. Mm -hmm. Like this is an absolute disaster of an organization and of a, a full, like from start to finish, this was a shit show. It's and like the fire festival before the fire dude, festival even was a thing. It's, it's fire festival before... It's fire festival before it happened, but it <laughs> happened and it happened over three days and people died. And wow. it's, it's such a great under, it's such a great exploration of where society was in the late mid to late nineties, why it made no sense to do this. Um, what the original Woodstock meant and how this was just a complete ridiculous reason. And then it relates all this stuff to what's going on today. Like they do a lot of exploration of of how we can reflect back on this and learn from it. And I just think it's a really great way of doing that. Um, it's actually part of a, a larger documentary series that HBO is doing that explores different artists uh, as well. I can't remember the exact, I think it's called, maybe it's called Soundstage, maybe. But they have like five or six different episodes and this is one of them. But each one is a movie. Each one's an hour and a half to two hours. And right now I've watched this three times. It is so, so good. Wow. And it's great because... You also place yourself at that time in 99. Mm -hmm. If we were just a couple years older, we would have been at this concert. I think, I think if we lived in New York or we lived mm -hmm. anywhere in the U S and, and had a chance to go to this, like so many of these acts, I would love to see rage live. I would love mm -hmm. to see the chili peppers live. Uh, Alanis Morissette's there. Like there's just the offspring are there. There's all these bands that are there and it just turns into literally, it starts with the idea of peace and love and turns into rage. Just like the title says, um so that's my number nine i love this movie it's incredible it's impressive yeah cool. and uh wife power your number eight number eight um i won't touch too much on this because i think you guys did a whole episode um but my number eight is the matrix resurrections um we're doing worst movies of 2021 no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i like this movie um, I thought it was a good like fourth movie in the Matrix. Um, ser I guess it's a series or whatever you want to call it now. Um, the, I, I guess it's like it's lower on my list because I think I would have liked to see a bit more of like 
original um like matrix neo with like the gun the weapons and the kung fu like he did a lot of like shield like force powers uh, that (laughs) yeah like that seemed to be like his only power in the matrix which like lost it a little bit for me um but i still really liked it i thought it was a cool power you didn't listen to our our episode review did you that's it, that was no. that's the point. That was on purpose. Yeah, him not using guns. It, I know it's on purpose. It, like, it's yeah, it doesn't, make it, it doesn't make it any better. It does make it okay. It does. <laughs> hey, it's still on my list. Of I appreciate. Eight. I appreciate <laughs> it's on your list. <laughs> so yeah, number eight, Matrix Resurrection. Nice. All right. Very, uh, very, very good choice. Wes. Solid <laughs> representation. Uh, I. Uh, I'm going to do my number eight now, which is Black Widow, which nice. uh, we, we've we talked about a lot. But actually, you know, I think this one goes unnoticed, but I rewatched it and uh, it's a killer movie and it's freaking hilarious. The comedy in this movie with Yolina and um, Florence Pugh as Yolina and um, David Harbour as the Red Guardian. Like those two people's the, the inclusion of those two characters, and those two actors like. That's what sets the movie over. They're freaking hilarious. And they're also cool characters. Mm-hmm. So it's a perfect passing of the torch of the Black Widow movie. And um, it's, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's right up there. Top, like mid, mid top tier Marvel, you know? I don't know. There's so many Marvel movies now. It's hard to say top yeah, tier. And, yeah. But it's it's high up there for me. And so, yeah, it made my top 10 this year at number eight. Awesome. Nice. Uh, Mr. Ian, numero eight all right, numero eight. Oh, uh, I was mentioning ocho? earlier. Yeah, ocho? <laughs> the Ocho. <laughs> um, the Ocho. <laughs> yeah, the Ocho. Uh, oh, that no, movie's amazing. Mentioning <laughs> earlier about sort of faithful adaptations with the Sopranos, I wanted to mention uh, Alessandro, Alessandro Nivola was uh, Dickie, and uh, Ray Liotta makes an appearance in that one as well. But a more, much more faithful adaptation. Uh, this is, I hate to spoil number one on Mike Power's list, but uh, is going to be, let me just pull it up here so I don't get the title wrong, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh. Sorry, Power. Sorry to, ruin, to rain on oh, your this is Oh, this is your number um, eight? Oh, yeah, I hate Macbeth, right. Yeah. I will, I will there's poop, no I, way this movie is his number one. I'm just not going to watch it. <laughs> now, I, will I, I know people dig on uh, some other adaptations of Macbeth. The uh, Michael Fassbender one is... Uh, one of the noteworthy ones recently. This one is uh, Denzel Washington. And I saw it on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. And there's something very... It's an A24 uh, production. So it's like sort of like art house style. Um, I, first of all, this is, Macbeth would be my favorite Shakespearean play. And uh, some insight into one of your uh, back in my day regulars. I actually played Macbeth in a grade five production of the, <laughs> the Shakespearean play. So I, I well, do just a couple of years of, ago. Obviously, I do sort <laughs> of like dive back in. Yeah, exactly. I do like to sort of dive back into it. But anyways, the uh, the tragedy of of Macbeth is very unique in like comparison to a, a Hollywood production in that it's much more. It's a very faithful adaptation. It's, it feels like you're watching a stage play. It's all black and white. Um, there are British actors, but Denzel is not putting on like a Shakespearean accent. He's literally just delivering word for word the play in his own, uh, like in Denzel fashion, and um, as well as uh, Frances McDormand, you know, uh, star of Fargo. Like she's just like her American accent, but everything is delivered 
with like very you know they're like these are star quality actors and yeah they're, they're both amazing actors yeah they're delivering a very well written stage play and it's just like it's amazing that you can watch a feature length film that's like you're sitting in uh, uh, watching a stage play in a theater but like it's it's shot in such a well uh, it's shot so well that like every moment that is not being spoken is telling its own story nice. and therefore like i just think that this is one of my favorite renditions of macbeth and it's being done on the big on the big screen so to speak so yeah awesome it's really cool so just just strictly because this is on your list and because it's an amazing show and i just finished but and you have to watch station 11 because yeah. be, if you like this movie you have to watch station 11 i won't tell you why but you have cool. to watch it yeah all right we'll do okay it. um my uh my ocho choice is um the suicide squad I won't get too damn, deep into damn. it. Yeah, I won't get too deep into it. I have a feeling it's going to be on someone else's list. Maybe it's not, but it's a lot of fun. It is definitely by far not even a comparison to the previous Suicide Squad movie. It is James Gunn creating a hilarious, wild, crazy idea universe uh, of, and characters. Um, and uh, it uh, features probably the best um I would say talking shark you'll ever have on screen, I would say. So that alone, uh, I think, makes this movie. And uh, what they do with with Harley Quinn in at least two or three of its scenes, at least uh, those those two characters make this movie. And it's it's great. So Suicide Squad is my Ocho pick. Nice. Definitely up there on the list of movies I wish I'd seen in 2020. Oh, we haven't seen it. Oh, oh, oh man. Yeah, it's you're going to reserve, reserve that spot on your top three spot on your list, I'd say. Yeah, I feel like you're really gonna like it. Yeah, and it's, it's a Guardians of Galaxy fanny, and it's yeah, it's right, it's up your alley. That's fair, sure. but when you see my top three, you might be uh, reconsidered. True, there's some on your top three I haven't seen. So, <laughs> I'm, yeah. All right, uh, wife power. Let's kick off with number seven. I won't say too too much because it was Mike's number eight, but my number seven is Black Widow. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, the story actually really surprised me. Um, I wasn't I wasn't expecting much from the movie, um, but it, I again I really enjoyed it. I liked the the kind of like spy like James Bondy kind of like feel for it. Again, I like these like n- these like human Avenger stories because they're a little bit more grounded in reality they're not as grandiose as like um like dr strange and the multiverse of madness like that's going to be a very grandiose movie and the the stakes are going to be like so high so it's kind of nice to have these like toned down stories in the marvel universe and um i like the introduction like mike said of yelena and david harbour um but yeah um black widow number seven great choice mikhail number seven Epic. my number seven has been man- mentioned uh shang chi and the legend yeah. of the of the ten rings so second marvel uh just back to back here's my list yeah just edged out uh black widow i think because you guys know i love myself some jackie chan kung fu movies and this is <laughs> bringing the kung fu action to the mcu and that's just awesome again yeah we have to rewatch it because we saw it in the drive-in because theaters were not safe to go to this year because we live in hell anyways <laughs> shout out to shout out um, to living in hell <laughs> living in hell but 
actually shout out to Simulu Canadian. Uh, he kills it. He's so charming. If you watch the uh, behind the scenes uh, episode on Disney Plus that came out about the movie, you got to watch it. You'll just fall in love with the guy. He's I'm I'm so happy that he's like you know the face of the new of the new um, you know Avenger kind of you know new crop of Avengers. He's kind of like one of the first one, one of the first new ones. So yeah, I think the MCU is really good hands with these two new up and coming heroes with Shang Chi and Yelena, Black Widow, and you know we talked about all the other ones from the Marvel show. So anyways, excited about the MCU. It's still chugging along. It's still loving the movies. Um, it's weird for a year where I don't have an MC movie in my top five, but hey, I still got one, two in my top ten. So they're still they're still crushing it. Yeah, there. yeah. It's a great choice. All right, Ian. What's up? Well, you know, we're we were taking a little bit of a detour from my usual suspects, and we were going a little bit in the uh, medieval side of things. I'm going to stick with it because. My favorite director of all time, Ridley Scott, had two films. He's pushing 82. He had two films in 2021. One of them I have yet to see. I have yet to see House of Gucci. Other one makes my top 10, The Last Duel. And, uh, you know, as a fan of movies like Braveheart and just like, you know, a little bit to do with my Scottish background there, but also like just loving those kind of epic medieval kind of stories. And then seeing Ridley Scott's kind of, spin on that kind of thing and there was great action there was great drama and the cast i mean it's incredible just some of the noteworthy names adam driver uh matt damon and of course ben affleck so there's a there's i don't know there's a lot to enjoy about this movie i know that it was kind of uh mixed reviews and didn't do too well in the box office i didn't think it really got a fair shake to be honest it wasn't released in the best time like mike um, said we live in hell what is a box office right now <laughs> yeah, exactly like, so uh, some movies were able to break out of that because I think the only movies that survive in today's box office are really those big tentpole yeah, studio sadly. films. So uh, I don't think you could judge it by that. I think you need to see it for yourself and see whether or not it lands with you. For me, yep. it landed. And it's a tough movie to watch, so it's hard to sell it, right? Yeah. Like it is, it is a very difficult subject, even though it's a it's great acting. I I think it is I, I enjoyed this movie too. So yeah, nice. Yeah, there you go. I, I enjoyed it. Um, okay, my uh, my number seven is um, from a studio that just tugs at my heartstrings no matter what movie it is. It is Luca from Pixar. Um, I I, ju- I just think about the movies I grew up with, and you know I can think about the Lion King. I can think about all the Disney movies we watched, like the sort of typical ones that you would go to. But man, all I have to do is think about Toy Story. And I start to get emotional. Like I just, I'm so attached to what Pixar has created over the years. Um, And Luca isn't like as emotional, I would say, as a lot of those, but it's so cool and it's so fun. I just had such a good time with this. Um, Yeah, it's about a bunch of Italians. So, hey, sure. Maybe that's, that was, uh, that was fun to see because I'm, I'm the, I'm the Italian guy in the group, but, uh, but you know, it's just, it's really, really cool. It's really fun to watch, super colorful and about kids. I just, I like sort of watching these. I, I really like when Pixar focuses on, you know, two friends and their relationship and, and the ending definitely got me teared up. I mean, the way that it ends is just great. I, I just, I really, really like this movie. I think it is um, uh, one of the best ones I've done in the last few years. And uh, I can't wait to watch it for a third time. So Luca is my number seven. Nice. Good to get some Pixar on there because we talk a lot about Pixar. Yeah. 
I really, I really like that one too, David. Uh, it just missed my, um, my top 10. I have another animated movie in here, but, uh, I, I, Ruth really liked it too. Um, Yay! Woo! So, my, <laughs> all right, I'm on team. Bruce. There's not as much scary things about Lucas. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. Um, so my number six is the new Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch. Um, oh, I wish I saw this movie. I want to see choice. it so badly. I, good oh. choice. I don't want to tell too much about it. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's classic Wes Anderson. I just love his style of filmmaking. Like it is just so unique and it is just so interesting to watch. And I was telling Mike, like if it wasn't for his style of filmmaking and it was the exact same story, it might've been a bit boring, but it's like the way that he films like the shots and the visuals and um, it just that component, like it truly is making movie art. Like it's just, it's it's so unique. It's so well constructed. Yeah, he does. and it was a it, the dynamic of this movie particularly was a really cool way of. I guess he does a lot of short story movies or like short mm. films, um, and it was a way to bring his love of short films into a feature length movie with multiple short films in it. But it but okay. the way that it, the story it works like it works really well. Um, I, I really, if you're a Wes Anderson um, fan, I highly recommend the fresh, the French Dispatch. Oh man, I this is the number one movie that I didn't watch this year that I really, really wanted to. It's a fantastic choice. It's a great movie and great Bill Murray performance, and we all love Bill Murray on this podcast. So yeah, good choice, Wayfair. All right, my number six is uh, a Quiet Place Part Two. Ooh. So yeah, I really like the first Quiet Place and. Um, part two, I think it was a 2021 movie, but it was like delayed a bunch. It was I supposed to be a 2020. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, I haven't I, seen it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. It was good. It's just, just as thrilling as the first one. So cool concept, um, you know, expanding the universe and everything. So it's, it's a good thriller movie as the yeah. first one is. Yeah, it's well done. It's a, it's a good, um, uh, expansion of what they did in the first, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is very contained. The second one still has aspects of that, but it but it does show you a larger world, which I think is exactly the point of the movie. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of cool concepts that they continue with. It's it's and it's hundred percent worth watching if you enjoyed the first for sure. Nice. Absolutely, yeah, I love that first movie. I, I I find I enjoyed the first one better, but I do like what they did with the second one as well. Yeah, really if you're going to Quiet Place, you're going for the the thriller, the thrilling aspect of the hold your breath moments of tension. And that's, that just gives you a lot, a lot more of that again, and just does it really well. And it's, it's a good framing device for that, right? Having the sound be the, if you make sound. So yeah, it's cool. Nice. Uh, Ian seeks seeks. Hmm. That's I kind of wish my number six was number seven right now, uh? only for the moment to go. It's double Oh seven. No, it's double Oh six. Trevelyan. No, it's uh, it's no time to die. It's the last Daniel Craig Bond film. Falls at number six on my top ten, just shy of my top five. I saw this film on my birthday in theater at uh, VIP. 
um, at a moment where it seemed like okay to go to the theater. So it was very nice to get a, a chance to get out and see this one. And this is definitely one you want to see on the big screen. I thought uh, I've loved all of the Daniel Craig Bond films. Are arguably, he's arguably my favorite Bond, maybe under Connery. Um, and my favorite, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for Goldeneye, but my favorite, I think, still is Casino Royale. Um, it's kind of between, yeah, like Goldeneye and Casino Royale, but they're very different films, right? So, um, so yeah, so just everything about Daniel Craig's journey, seeing him go from Casino Royale to another one of my favorites, Skyfall, and then finish strong, I think not as strong as Casino Royale, Skyfall, but still stronger than some of his other outings. Uh, with No Time to Die, I thought that it did a very good job of telling a five-film story arc for Bond, for Daniel Craig's version of Bond, rather than some of the other Bonds. It's like there's less of a through line from film to film. It's just like same actor, same character, but like we're not going to touch on anything that he did before. We're just kind of going to move on and do a new mission. This one like very felt very connected, and f- to that end, I thought it was a satisfying finish. No Time to Die, I would highly recommend if you're a fan of James Bond or just good action quality films and Daniel Craig, obviously, as Bond. But also the other characters, the supporting cast, um, you know, uh, uh, Lashana Lynch, uh, uh, like she kind of plays like this 007 style role. And I would love to see a film uh, with some of the spinoff characters. I would love to see a film set in that world. That's how much of an impact Daniel Craig's James Bond made. I know they're going to move on. They're going to pick a new James Bond. They're going to probably start from scratch or do something different, but I would still like to see films set in this, this world that they created. Cause it's, I don't know. I, I still think that there's stories that could be told. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, my, uh, my number six was already, was already discussed. Cause I said, Barb and star go to Vista Del Mar. So, um, we will move on to our top five, and Wife Power will kick that off. Why not? Top five. Top five. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Um, all right. So my number five was one of the very few movies that we actually got to see in theaters this year with a bucket of popcorn and a very overpriced pop. Um, and that is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, oh wow awesome i'm so shocked but i'm so happy at this choice i i really liked it i i and again i don't know if like the fact that like we actually got to see it on the big screen and have that theater going experience made me enjoy it a little bit more because like i i think we only saw one other movie in theaters in 2021 um but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a great... It's actually technically, I guess, a sequel to the original Ghostbusters. Um, and I think they they paid some good, um, like, homages to the originals. Um, I, I liked the actors. I really liked Paul Rudd um, and the uh, Carrie Coon, the, the woman that plays the mom. Um, and she's always so good. Yeah, she's great. She's, she's great. great. I um, love her, man. Me too. But yeah, uh, so my number five is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Awesome. That's a surprise. Just, That's awesome. I keep saying it, but great choice, White Power, because missed my top 10. I know I'm a huge Ooh. Ghostbusters fan. Oh, damn. It did not make my top 10. There's a lot I, of good other movies. I actually really liked it, but just I liked these 10 movies more. Sure. It would probably yeah. be number like 11 or something, right? Right. So. Right. 
All right. Um, so what's your what's your five then? Let's get into this top five, sir. Ghostbusters, your son's Ghostbusters five. I just can't believe that because it feels insane to me that we're in 2022 and I haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife yet. This is the number one movie that I, you know, it's even above the Suicide Squad that I want to see from 2021. There's a movie uh, on your list that me and Dave and Wife Power are also very upset we haven't seen before. I know it's on your list. You can tell by my shirt that I'm like, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, Ghostbusters. So just to have a sequel to ghostbusters 2 and something that's set in the same world is just uh it's incredible so i'm really looking forward to seeing that yeah um you know it kind of worries me that it's not in your top 10 but at the same time i'm sure i'll enjoy it no no it's, my own way. it shouldn't worry you it's awesome movie. it's you'll enjoyable it. man yeah, it's definitely enjoyable yeah. yeah you'll you'll definitely love it uh, i definitely nothing nothing like good things to say about it so um my number five back to my list my number five is uh the mitchells versus the machines what Kids, are you okay? Remember our survival training. Yankee, Alpha, Foxtrot, Bravo, Tango, Alpha, Alpha, Alpha. Aaron, your codename is Sweet Boy. Mine is Protector Prime. Your mother is the Crimson Scorpion. You're walking away. You know, I usually try to get, uh, yeah, try to usually get like an animated movie in there. Usually there's one that makes my list. Um, this one came out yeah, early 2021 and I just instantly loved it. I want to look back and see how many times... Uh, phil lord and chris miller movie has been my list recently because like they make some awesome animated movies they should stay away from star wars forever from now on they make some (laughs) awesome we don't know how their solo was gonna turn out. i know i'm just joking yeah so it makes me wonder if you would have enjoyed their version more though yeah i probably would have no i 100 would have because there's no way i could have enjoyed what i saw less so (laughs) actually bring them back to star wars and let them actually give us a new han solo movie (laughs) but anyways that's mitchell's versus the machines is hilarious and heartfelt has great animation is about a family surviving uh and taking down the robot apocalypse robot apocalypse but it's yeah. a comedy yeah it's awesome it's really good um so. i'll pipe in this is my number four so it's my my oh, next awesome. movie um the one thing i want it's it's actually not a robot apocalypse movie it's actually a story of a family taking their kid off to college and then while they're doing that you get this and i think that's like the, one of the coolest parts of the movie is like you have so many movies out there of that family road trip of like taking your kid off to college and then it's like they just blew it wide open by then adding <laughs> yeah. during that trip you, you're like you land in the middle of a robot apocalypse <laughs> You um, land in the middle of a giant Furby attack. <laughs> I will Basically. say that there is merit to it being like sort of an original IP, if you want to call it yes. that. But yeah. I do not think it uh, unseats the Into the Spider Verse as the best animated movie of all time by Chris by by them or just of all time. I think Spider Man Into the Spider Verse is my they also favorite. Did. Yeah, they did both. They also did Spider Verse. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't. It doesn't dethrone Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No. I yeah. agree. Um, I'll keep the train rolling. This is actually. I'm gonna jump ahead. This is my number three. I love this. Wow. Movie. Nice. It is so good. It's so mm-hmm. much fun. All the fun I talked about in Luca. It's this, but in a really wild way. Mm-hmm. And I love how the family sort of grows together, and they learn to work together when they're all at odds with each other at the beginning, you know, the first half hour of the movie, they, they grow as a family, you know, their characters grow, they grow tighter 
in a ridiculous scenario. And, you know, all the action scenes are fun, as ridiculous as they are. So what? It's a, it's an animated movie. And they go to so many weird places. Um, so it's Mike's number five. It's Wife Power's number four. And it's my number three. It's um, my number two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and it's my number 0. 0.5. It's higher than one. Um, uh, yeah. So, Ian, what's your, <laughs> what's, your, what's your number five? <laughs> now we're getting into the top five. And, uh, you know, for the most part, if the TV series episode is any indication, you kind of know where I'm going to be leaning in my top five. However, you might be surprised by some of these choices. So, f- number right, five. Sweet. Black Widow. So I guess I mentioned there were four MCU films released in 2021. Um, This, I think I rank number four of four, but that doesn't mean just like I enjoyed Hawkeye doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I really like enjoyed Black Widow any less. It's just kind of where it falls. I think it's cool that it was like sort of Black Widow's time to shine, but also like it seemed like Russia's answer to the super soldier serum. And, you know, I love my cap. Uh, mythology so just kind of seemed connected in that way because uh, Natasha Romanoff of course was a big character in Captain America's uh, Winter Soldier so I felt like they Mm -hmm. kept a similar vibe to Winter Soldier with the Black Widow movie and it gave us a great standalone maybe albeit too late but a standalone Black Widow film I think if it had you know we might not have gotten like Florence Pugh in this and that if it come out any earlier but it might have made more sense to give her this story prior to Endgame and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. However, it does fit in nicely on a rewatch where you can kind of watch Civil War and then see what happens to her after before you know, it gets crazy with Infinity War and Endgame. But Black Widow is my number five. Number five. Awesome. All right. Um, my number five will uh, log us back into the Matrix. It's Matrix Resurrection. No, no, no. Yeah, man. <laughs> Ian cannot. He can't. He can't. Just and can't. Dave, my number four. <laughs> my number four. I'm gonna. Yeah, it's. I think it's almost right now the front runner for the back of my day movie of the year. I gotta say, it's on three lists, pretty high. I think he deserves it. I don't know. It's an early lead. <laughs> He's leaving. Man, Ian's He's gone. Leaving. Ian is officially gone. We lost him. Guys, uh, can I just say before you get into it that... Uh, I'm not going to get too into it. We did I, an entire I, episode. Uh, so. No, we did. Yeah. We did. And it's fine. But, um, you know, I, I ranked everything that I watched. It's it's not... There's still about a dozen movies from 2021 that I wanted to see. Sure. Um, yeah. It doesn't even fall in my bottom three but it is down there because I'll tease ahead. I am going to mention my bottom three because there's some bad movies in 2021. <laughs> so it's not quite in the bottom three, but it did, it didn't do a lot for me. And the more I think about it, the the, the more it's going to sit it sort of in the bottom tier of the movies that I watched in 2020. Hey, fair enough, man. Everyone's got their, got their opinions on it. We have a whole episode if you want to go back and listen to it. But... Well, that's kind of why I think it's fun to like go back and like, yeah, listeners can go and check it out because we obviously yeah. had some discourse over that. So. Exactly, and, and we should, and that's exactly the kind of movie that it is. So, um, whether they're going for that or not, it doesn't matter really. So, um, okay, so that's my number five. Uh, Wife Power, your number four was I Mitchell had, versus right? the Machine. Mitchell versus the Machines. Yeah. That was my number three. Mike, we have your number four. My number four is Matrix. Yeah, so we're gonna loop, loop back over to to Ian for his number four. Okay, it is <laughs> Matrix, not just. <laughs> This is quite hilarious because we, you know, we spoke about Matrix Resurrections. We spoke about Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Where is this going? I just I have no idea. I was so excited where this is going. I don't know why. My number four is uh, 
I, I think if if the tragedy of Macbeth is not your number one, Mike, maybe this is Eternals. Anyone? Oh, uh, damn. Yeah, Eternals is high on my the list. The only thing worse than Shakespeare. No, I'm just yeah. Well, it's very Shakespearean. Uh, <laughs> definitely has Shakespearean qualities to it, but it falls high on my list. It's number four. Eternals is uh, obviously based on a uh, graphic novel because it is a another MCU property. It is the, I guess, third one to come out in 2021 after Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and then the last one, of course, was Spider-Man No Way Home. So Eternals is very sort of grandiose. I've mentioned that it's. I think it's sort of like the Marvel version of the Justice League in ways very powerful godlike beings that um, are supposed to be protecting earth. And, you know, we have a whole episode breaking it down, so I won't go too deep into it, but Eternals is my number four great cast ensemble cast, a very exciting story. And it definitely leaves me wanting to see more from some of these characters or some of these storylines. Nice. Um, Okay. My number four is going to be talked about soon, so I won't get into it. It is Dune. Felt like a vision. Dreams make good stories, but everything important happens when we're awake. To the future of House Atreides. You have to be ready. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Back to the desert. We go to Dune. So we talk about Tatooine quite a bit on our Boba Fett episodes. And uh, this is arguably where a lot of ideas came from when uh, when Star Wars hit, right? From the books, from the materials. So um, Dune's great. I, I think this would be... An, it, I shouldn't hold it against it, but this is half of a movie, guys. I mean, to me, it's just half of a movie, and I think that hurts it, although it is still an excellent movie. So I really enjoyed it. We've seen, we've watched it twice, and um, and I liked it even better the second time. But just just dig into the, into the world of Dune, because I think it's going to be worth the ride, and... It is alone just in this movie. So Dune is an excellent movie. That is my number four. Very nice. Top three. Quite epic. Yes. Epic is a great way to say it. Uh, My number three is an Edgar Wright movie. It's Last Night in Soho. Much brighter there. You can forget all your troubles, forget all your cares. So go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown. No funner place for sure. Downtown. It's hard to say anything about this movie without really giving it away. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's a really difficult movie to explain, but I think it's one that's worth a watch. Um, it's, it's dark, it's scary at times. Um, I definitely classify it as like a thriller. Um, I just, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the visuals. I enjoyed the, the story. It really is nice to see original content come out these days and and i found this movie a little bit refreshing like i did find it quite unique um again i just i don't want to say anything that that spoils it for someone because it was kind of um 
Mike, I don't know if you'll agree. It was kind of fun going into it, not knowing anything about it. Yes, definitely. I, that's I would recommend that approach too. Yeah, a good movie. And we love Edgar Wright on the podcast. So another good choice, Wife Power. Yep. yep. We're in the good choice today. All right. My number three. Uh, guys, it's like hell has frozen over here. My number three. A DC EU movie has made my top three movies of the year. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Yes, it is the Suicide Squad. This this movie takes place in the DCU, the same universe where Ben Affleck is Batman. And the movie is actually good. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's this movie is, it kicks ass. It's freaking awesome. James Gunn. Uh, we all love James Gunn here, and just love his sensibilities. Love the way he makes movies. You know, they totally screwed the pooch with the first Suicide Squad, and then I think you know they quoted James Gunn to come over to DC, and they kind of said like, "Do whatever you want, make it rated R." You know, they're they're metal, and they let him make the movie he wanted to make, and they got rewarded for it i think in an excellent movie it's hilarious it's uh lots of swearing lots of gore lots of crazy out of this out of left field concepts everything you expect from a james gunn movie it's just i love the sensibilities that he brings to his movies so it's like if you like gardens of the galaxy it's like that but he got to go even more crazy using even bigger castigators and make it rated r so yeah. how could you not look how could you not love it right that so, is what it is yeah you're right it's awesome. It's so, so, so good. And uh, it's led to the Peacemaker TV show, which I love. So it's just like he's, he's making Guardians, more Guardians movies and a special for Disney Plus. But it seems also like he's keeping one foot in the door in, in DC as well. So he's going to pick one. Of, I feel like he's going to have to pick one or the other. Like, which one's he going for? Right. But I feel like it's probably mm-hmm. going to be Suicide Squad World because the Peacemaker show is doing well as well. So it feels like yeah. he's going to wrap it up and be done. It feels like they're giving up. him more uh, rope, more leniency and more autonomy. And that's what he, that's, it's good for him though. And I won't mind because I, I just, I joke with DCEU. It's not that I hate the DC. It's just that they've done crap movies so far with Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. And I want the movies to be better. And so I'm actually really happy that they're on the right track here with like, if you think of Aquaman, the first Wonder Woman movie, they are getting better. And this is the first movie that they've released in the DC that I've actually really loved. And like, I give it, I give a five out of five star. Wait, and you mean to tell me that Zack Snyder's the Snyder cut is not your number one film? <laughs> of Can you believe we it? We did a whole episode on it. Power. I feel betrayed. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yes, five 5,000 year fart joke or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. Five, five, five thousand year brain fart. That's, That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so, no. Unfortunately, spoiler alert for my final two, they, neither of them are the Snyder Cut. Zach, <laughs> Zach Snyder just took the Snyder Cut. But you can watch um, it in black and white, just like Lady of Macbeth. I mean, maybe if I... May, I still have to watch that version, so maybe that version will knock out one of my Oh, it's, it's gonna... It's gonna change everything. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna change it all. Yeah. Anyways, sure. yes. So, uh, but hey... Let's just uh, let's just give DC uh, a little win here with the Suicide Squad. Just Absolutely, admit, they deserve. You know, it. They, they made a great movie. Yeah, James Gunn did it. Let's for keep them. going. Yeah. Yep. Ian, up next, man. Oh boy. Top three, right? Yeah, top three. So top three is pretty special at this point. And uh, my third overall is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Been mentioned already. Um, you know, first Asian uh, superhero in the MCU, at least as as a lead. And yeah, just there's a lot to love about this movie. And I think that um, I just think that like when you think about the 
power levels. Oh, I wanted to say, because I mentioned uh, my number four was Eternals, and they span across the whole universe. There's many Eternals for many planets. I wondered if those ten rings were actually rings from Eternals in, in the similar fashion to how we see them get their rings for the in the final act. I don't know what you thought about that uh, power, but for another mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, the Shang-Chi, just it was some great world building. It's like... Um, you know, in the, in the way that we got Wakanda with Black Panther, we get like a Talo, some nice mythology there, um, some like dark demons. It, it just seems like this very cosmic thing. Like there's like, it's not just on Earth. There's a Talo uh, that exists that predates Earth. It just seems like there's a lot to explore there. And I'm excited to see uh, Shang-Chi pop up in other Marvel properties. That'll be fun. Awesome. Nice. Uh, my number three was already mentioned. I said it was the Mitchells versus the Machines. So I will toss uh, the number twos over to Wife Power. My uh, number two, I don't know if it is officially a movie, but it's <laughs> got to be on the list because I think this is the closest I have come to seeing pure genius on screen. Ooh. And that's Bo Burnham's Inside. I have a feeling that someone else might be talking about this as well. Um, But this was just, I, I don't know, like, yeah, describing it doesn't do it justice. The visuals, the things that he comes up with, like, it's honestly just absolutely spectacular. Like what he puts together for this comedy special, like, yeah, it it on, I've never seen anything like this before and the fact that he did everything himself like this the sets that he puts together in his own home um the visuals the song like the songs are so catchy and they're pure comedy like but um Mike will tell you like we've listened to the 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 CD or spot like i don't know what you want to call it what do we call it now the playlist um we pretty much know every single song like we would know any other album but it this was just um it was something amazing to watch and and i think he deserves the credit for it yeah, no, it's definitely a movie. It's it's it counts. Yep, it's, it's on Letterboxd. It's, uh, it's it's weird, but it's it's cool. Mm. It's damn it's good. It's on Letterboxd. It yeah, counts. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, it's it's a hundred percent. I think that's the biggest thing. It's a hundred percent. It's definitely not something you've seen before. I think that's mm-hmm. that in itself says a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Nubro two. Uh, my number two has been mentioned. That's Dune. I think we did a whole episode on Dune. I can't remember. We did a whole year of episodes. Now I'm starting to like forget. <laughs> um, anyways, it's just Denis Villeneuve. And it's just an awesome movie. And it's sci-fi greatness. And yes, I uh, read the book to prepare. And it hyped me up. And the movie delivered. So I won't say much more. If you want to hear us like talk about it, you can listen to our episode. But definitely a great movie. And my number two movie of 2021. Mm. Dune is also my number two. Dune is a very special movie. I wasn't, uh, I don't think I was with you guys for the Dune recap review, but uh, I will say um, it's fighting for that number one spot of 2021. It's very, uh, just, it's incredible. Denis Villeneuve has done it again. Uh, There's a lot to love about it. I haven't finished the book. I almost, I'm forcing myself to 
sort of stop because I don't want to ruin the the part two of it all. But uh, it that, that is the one thing that maybe keeps it in that number two spot is that it is sort of unfinished, and I don't know where it's going to go. I can only imagine or hope that it will enhance that seeing part two will enhance my experience with part one. But either way, you have a great ensemble cast, incredible visuals, and uh, like like you said, Dave, it's. Uh, Tat- the roots of Tatooine are sprinkled all over. The, it's the, the OG table. Sand Planet. That's it's right. The original Sand Planet. We got, really is, we yeah. got the spice that actually matters and inside of the universe. <laughs> yeah. and, actual uh, currency. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, as much as I love my my Star Wars, like this is an incredible sci-fi film for sure. Yeah. And very, wait for it, Shakespearean. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I don't know what the full story is myself because I've only seen this half of the story, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's the is. way power likes his Shakespeare. Yes, <laughs> space. 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 Desert space. space. Yes. <laughs> Desert space Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two has also already been mentioned. I was really tempted to talk about it at the time, but we can get into it further now. But it is Last Night in Soho. This movie is incredible. I was so excited to see it. I watched that first trailer. I knew it was from Edgar Wright, and I just said, holy Toledo. I got to watch this and <laughs> holy Toledo, Texas. This is a damn good movie. Um, the first 40, 45 minutes or something uh, is almost a completely different movie. And it is so, just like, just like you talked about with um, white power with uh, French dispatch. It is like constructed. A lot of those scenes are just perfectly constructed. And after I watched the movie, I realized how they, how they actually constructed them. You know, there's the one shot where she's walking down the stairs and there's mirrors behind her. They actually created two different sets to have a literal mirror of each other of current time and back in, I think it's the 50s. Um, man, this it, those that first half of the movie could be, I just want to be in that part. You know, I, I think that it it loses a couple steps in the last 20 minutes or something, but not enough to ruin the journey to get there. I think this movie is amazing. I think it's like you said, originality is great in it to see something fresh and original and just to do something that is um, a thriller, but also a character piece and also a lot of you know interesting characters. And um, yeah, it picks up steam quite a bit in that last half hour and that last 20 minutes, but I think it's all justified, and I I love this movie. I've, I watched it three times on my own already. <laughs> it's great. It is so so good. Um, this is like this and like French Dispatch are like the two that I really wanted to make sure I watched, and I'm really happy that I can't got a chance to watch this. I love it. Uh, Last night in Soho is my number two, solidly my number two. It'd be very hard to beat. So my number one will be interesting. <laughs> All right, Wife Power, number one. Uh, My number one has been mentioned, and this might solidify its place as the top movie of 2021 for us, but that's Dune. Um, The Matrix. Uh, uh, (laughs) The Matrix again. (laughs) Matrix times two. No. um, (laughs) The Matrix the third time you watch. Yeah. You guys guys hit. The Matrix, the the Snyder Cut. Oh, my God. It was in black and white. My tea wasn't working, but <laughs> yeah. So, dude's it for me. I think the only, I think it still sits at number one. I think the only thing that kind of breaks my heart about it was we didn't get to watch it in IMAX yet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but totally. I'm hoping that this is one of those movies that comes back to IMAX. You know, every once in a while, like they they bring up a, a movie. Um, we used to live really close to the Cinesphere in Toronto. Um, and that was one of the spots that we absolutely loved. They would play old IMAX movies and you could go and relive that experience. And I hope that at some point in time we get to do that for Dune because I think it's just going to make it that much better. Um, but yeah, Dune. I think it's a good bet. Yeah. I think that yeah. they're going to bring it back because especially when you consider that it is part one of two, mm-hmm. they're most likely going to bring it back leading up to part two. So that you can yeah. go watch that. Yeah, especially because people couldn't see it because of the pandemic. Yeah. That's, I hope that happens. And there's a yeah, really big gap between the two yeah, movies. Hashtag bring Dune back. <laughs> Bring dude back to IMAX. <laughs> Hashtag start the movement. <laughs> right, all right, good choice. Power. All right, Dune. Look at that number one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. easily. All right, we all loved June. All right, <laughs> my number one movie has been mentioned also by Wife Power. She stole my thunder a little bit, but that's okay because it's such a good movie that you know I'm happy it's on her list. So that's Bo Burnham Inside. Welcome to the internet. Have a look around. Anything that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of content, some better, some worse. If none of it's of interest to you, you'd be the first. Uh, which is more, uh, it's a, it's Bo Burnham's stand-up comedy special that he made for Netflix by locking himself in his room, in a room in his house during the pandemic. And basically didn't come out until he had this made and he did everything himself from filming it to writing it to designing all the sets and editing it and writing all the music. It's like a one man show. And what we got was, was an act of pure genius. As Mina said, I do believe that it is an act of pure genius, just the dedication that it took. The fact that the songs are so catchy that I've been listening to them nonstop and will probably continue for a long, long time. And the thing that really stands out about this movie is every other movie on our list that takes place in the year 20, the year 2020 or 2021, just like ignores the fact that we're living through a pandemic, right? And this, and it's like, at some point you do, like art is an escapism, but at some point you do want your art to also reflect real life. And it's kind of hard watching movie over and over and over again, where people are allowed to get together or people going to stores without masks or not showing their vaccine passports or whatever. Screw those people. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I want that world back. Why do you get to live right. in that world? No, no it's kind of like, yeah. it's kind of like you want to see yourself and your reality reflected in your art. And it, this like speaks to that so well and just speaks to everything that we've gone through for two years and every other, every other, you know, movie that I watch or TV show that I watch just wants to ignore it and pretend like it's not happening or it never happened. It never happened. Right. And it's it's not, it's like it's kind of like a nice and refreshing to have something that's just like acknowledging it in a way the collective like shit we're going through basically and how depressing it is and how much it sucks and you know it's like stuff people don't want to talk about you know but he talks about it and he and it's very very excellent and it's true and it's raw and it's just it it makes you emotional you know what i mean but it also makes you laugh so it's definitely the greatest stand up thing i've ever seen it's the greatest one man production show, you know, I've ever seen. And I've watched it. I've listened to the soundtrack nonstop and I've just thrown it on and watched it because it just, yeah, it just makes me feel something. So anyways, great, 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 great work of genius. Bo Burnham inside. I think it's just, yeah, best thing I saw all year for sure. Awesome. 
Nice, man. Uh, Ian, I think we might know where you're going. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, most definitely. But uh, I am intrigued by something that you're basically saying is your number one film of 2021, which I'm, it's, I haven't seen, so it's no knock against its production budget, but it probably pales in comparison to the <laughs> oh, production yes. that, that Dune was, right? So yeah. knowing how much you love Dune and then knowing that this is superseding that in mm-hmm. ways, uh, it makes me interested check it out for sure they're very very opposite i i honestly think if he even saw the movie that i think ian's going to now i think that it still would be number one for mike nothing would knock yeah. it from number one even even ian's movie i promise you nothing would knock from number one. it's to me it's it's more about it's not about the spectacle and the budget it's about the the art side of it and the way it speaks to me at a time when you know i needed to something like this right so this is more meaningful than just being entertained right, right. that's that's, that's totally cool. fair that yeah being said never say never because never say never yeah you know you never say i also do need to see me all the spider-mans so yes well you hit <laughs> for my more mental health and well-being i also need to see that yeah. <laughs> you hit it on the head i'm in a unique scenario out of the four of us where i know that my number one film has not been mentioned yet on this podcast, and we have not yet covered it, and that is Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I was able to see it in theater. This is something where, um, you know, I saw this where I probably could have chosen to see something like Ghostbusters Afterlife, but there was there was nothing me nothing holding me back from the hype going into this. So the fact that it delivered is probably the most impressive thing. Like it's like they're capitalizing on nostalgia with this film, but like they've it's not that that's never a sure thing because when you compare it to something like I've been vocal about my disdain for matrix resurrections that's the same type of thing they're trying to capitalize on your nostalgia for a thing and it either lands with you or it doesn't and i'm not here to uh you know it's already a month later and i'm still not wanting to spoil spider-man no way home for anybody but i will say you'll see it so that we can come back and talk about it oh no we're gonna talk about it and uh and when when you do you'll you'll understand exactly what i'm going for i mean we had we did our homework we had all the episodes leading up to it where we watched the toby mcguire films we watched the andrew garfield films just because we know that this is uh featuring some of the villains uh from past spider-man franchises so we we were so hopeful me and mike were so hopeful that we were gonna see it and then it didn't happen (laughs) that's right so this is john watts He's capping off a trilogy with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Did it in a way I never thought he would be able to do. And honestly, uh, just it, it's pushing top three MCU for me. Um, it's difficult. It's definitely top five. It's difficult to say exactly where it's going to fall. Um, I don't think it really passes Endgame for me because Endgame is it's really a collaborative like 23 film effort when you think about it. Um, but at the same time, like my love for Spider-Man is like unmatched. So it's definitely up there and I would recommend it for even the faintest of Spider-Man or comic book fans. And, you know, the internet's been talking about this thing for over a month now. So, uh, definitely want to, I'm excited for you guys to see it, all of you, and we can come back and and talk about it. But Spider-Man No Way Home, number one movie of 2021. I won't take 
anything else. <laughs> uh, I'm even more hyped now. Don't answer number one that it delivered so hard. Like I know I'm going to love this movie. I'm in the bag for this movie and I can't see it yet. And it's so annoying, but I'm hoping theaters. Open I would soon. assume sometime in the next couple of months, it's either going to be able to rent or we're going to hopefully safely be able to go to a theater. So yeah, like where we are in on, where we are right now, like in Toronto, theaters aren't even open. Like we can't even see this movie. Even if I wanted to risk in it a, all, in a know, couple days, take it anymore. In a couple yeah, days, they'll be open. But I mean, but for the last month then, or so, yeah, yeah. Exactly, there's, a, so. there's a funny thing about it where I kind of knock the marketing in general about films these days, and saying that the trailer kind of mm. spoils stuff is like, yeah, the trailer is definitely going to spoil stuff. Like it would be amazing if we could go into a movie like this completely blind and just be right. floored by it. Um, however, I, I didn't watch. I only watched the first trailer that we covered on this podcast. I did not watch the the one following it. And when I went back and watched even that one, I was like, okay, no, it's it's definitely spoiling more this time around. But even then, there's still crazy kind of twists and turns and surprises in the film that nice. that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily be able to piece together from the trailer. So so definitely, uh, Marvel does enjoy. does a pretty good job. Like they kind of know they have to spoil a little bit, but they do a pretty good job usually not spoiling usually in the third act stuff. So I, I'm, I'm, yeah. All right. So my number one has not been mentioned. And I am not surprised because I know this is off the map. I know this is sort of, I don't even know if anyone else has seen it. Um, Ian mentioned another sort of gang story, I guess, earlier in his list with a, uh, with a new Sopranos prequel. Yep. This is about a different gang. This is about the street gang how we got to Sesame Street. Here we go, very quiet. Three, two, one. And action. What do you think makes Sesame Street so appealing to kids? I hate it myself. <laughs> <laughs> this was an experiment. Children were watching a tremendous amount of television. So why not see if it could educate them? Our target audience were inner city children. We had struggled with the idea of the setting for the show. I wanted to capture that New York energy because to the three-year-old is cooped up in the room upstairs, the action is on the street. I think they started feeling a little pressure. In the affluent suburbs of Jackson, Sesame Street is not on the air. Some who saw it apparently disliked the number of black performers. When you're growing up and you don't see yourself in the media, then you get the feeling that you're not part of this culture. Television has so much power of doing that. Take one, rolling. And see. This movie is full of all the feels. It's a West Side Story. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I want. It's another movie I want to see because I hear it's amazing. I, I hear it's amazing. Um, I guess yeah. I guess that is actually where I could have teed that up to. Um, yeah, Street Gang: How We Got to Sesame Street is an amazing documentary of something I grew up with and so many kids continue to grow up with. It is one of the best documentaries I think I've ever seen, probably because I have a very emotional attachment to this, uh, to the show and to the, these characters, but it is essentially about how they put this show together from scratch, from day, from, you know, day zero to the first few seasons of the show. And it is just the, the amount of effort and brains and art and fun and just everything that they did to make sure that this show tailored to kids in a proper way, an educational way. And it's just, it's really, really funny because you get a lot of behind the scenes, like adult jokes, but the Sesame Street characters are saying them. So it's just sort of puts you in this place where you're like, oh, I would never expect 
Big Bird to say this, or I've never expect you know so and so to say that. And you know, it's it's Frank Oz and Jim Henson doing all the work. They're heavy, you know, heavily featured in this, um, and all this, a lot of the surrounding characters that are still alive today that are people behind the scenes that put it together, like the production and the writers and a lot of the actors. It talks about how it was um, so far ahead of its time, having a lot of like black characters in it, and how they were f- primarily featured in episodes and how TV stations wouldn't air it for that reason. It talks about all the efforts they went through to do literally scientific studies with kids of what would get kids attention for education on TV, because it's right when TV started becoming really, really prominent in homes. And literally, I think they have a stat. It was something like kids were spending over 24 hours a week in front of the TV, which is a lot of time when you really think about it. That's a lot. If you spend one out of your seven days in front of TV and you're going to school five days a week. It just seems like it's, it to me that felt like a lot back in the sixties. But anyways, I, I laughed, I cried this show or this movie is incredible. Um, and just like, I think last year when I talked about how um, the last dance was my number one show and nothing was going to beat it. Once I watched this movie, nothing was going to beat this movie. That's how much I love it. So uh, my number one is Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. And I'm so happy to get to talk about it. I love Sesame Street. I love this kind of these kinds of documentaries. And um, if anyone has a chance to watch it, I believe it's an HBO documentary as well. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. If you have any kind of connection to Sesame Street, even if you don't, this this is great. It's so fun. The title makes me think it's like, like you know what they're doing with Bel Air now? It's like a a dramatic take on yeah yeah, yeah. on, on Sesame on Street yeah it's been like the dramatic take of Sesame Street yeah um, does anyone have like a favorite Sesame Street character ooh um I do really like Bert and Ernie yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I think you have to they're 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 a package right like I think they go together yeah so. you can't like one yeah. and not the other I think yeah. I was like a Cookie Monster. Or mm-hmm. like Elmo, I think I really liked Oscar the Grouch too. Oh, I yep. like Oscar as well, but I gotta give it to my man Kermit the Frog. Yeah, because uh, he's pretty classic, and I always love frogs. And always love frogs. In the uh, in <laughs> Kermit the, was on Sesame Street. Yeah, that. was he? Yeah, yeah. That's where he, that's where he came he's from. He's the crossover character, right? The Muppet. Interesting. Him and um, there's another character. I think he's not on it anymore, though. He's on the Muppets only, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they talk about the um, they go into like about a good 10, 15 minutes about the it's not easy being green song. That was, you know, obviously very well written and performed. Like they talk about how the the music, the guy who wrote the music, the guy who wrote the lyrics, um, you know, Frank Oz talks about it. It's it's great. They go into so many deep things. The Count. What was his name? The Count. Yeah, he was called The Count. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just the count. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I could, I could, again, it's another one of those things I could go on and on about, but it's a really, really great documentary. And um, there's a lot of really emotional parts because it's, they talk about, you know, Jim Henson passing away and all that. Like it's, it's great. It's absolutely excellent. So anyone who had, who ever watched any episodes of, of uh, Sesame Street, especially when they were younger, like myself, um, this was like religious viewing when I was a little kid. It's it's hundred percent worth watching and seeking out. Um, yeah, that would I'm be check my it out now. Number one. Yeah, it's yeah, number one. So yeah, it's excellent. Um, yeah, I think I think we could actually decide that Dune would probably be our number one because yeah. it's mm-hmm. all it's all on our list. It's all pretty high up there, I would say, and just the fact that mm-hmm. it's all on our list. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So Dune is the, uh, we haven't decided TV yet. It might take a little longer to do that, but for now, Dune is number one. We'll see if we, when we see Spider-Man, what happens, but yeah, <laughs> you, that, you do, get a, you do get an opportunity to rank Spider-Man. Of yeah, course. we will. Because I think under normal circumstances, you would have been seeing it like a yes, yeah. yeah, and and very likely that it would be on our list. So um, all three of ours probably. So. I was just gonna leave a, a blank spot at number two, and I was just gonna put Spider Man there, <laughs> not even having seen it. Like that's what I was gonna do before. But, yeah, I mean it's a safe bet, right? Yeah, and you're probably not far off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks everyone for listening for taking on this journey again with our favorite movies. Our favorite TV show episode is also available for you. And um, as of right now, Dune is our movie of 2021. And uh, if anyone wants to find the rest of our episodes and our uh, special Patreon episodes as well, where we're breaking down uh, different movies and TV shows, Mike, where's everyone finding our, uh, our shenanigans at day back in on social media, uh, patreon.com slash back in my day as well. You'll find our Patreon page, uh, but you can also find it on our social medias and the podcast is called back in my day and find us on uh, basically all of the podcast apps, rank review, subscribe, tell your friends. It all helps. And thanks for listening. That's it. Wife power. Thank you again for joining us. Happy to have you back again. My pleasure. And uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining me again. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks everyone for listening. Cheers. entertainment for you to enjoy in our human fun pods who here likes fun hey i like fun trust me bud you do not like fun